Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective, featuring the friars from St. Patrick Church in Columbus. And now, Dominican Dimensions. Welcome to the Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today I'm joined in the studio by Father Paul Marich. Let's begin with a prayer to Our Lady. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Today we're going to talk about the communion of the saints, our friends in heaven. So, Father Paul, what would you say is the teaching of the Church about the communion of the saints? Well, it really all begins, Father Stephen, with an understanding of the theology of the Church. Mm-hmm. What is the nature of the Church? There's mm-hmm. In the field of, of theology, there's a, pra- a study called ecclesiology, literally the mm-hmm. study of the Church. And this is what helps us understand the Catholic teaching on the communion of the saints, because this is very misunderstood, you know, especially mm-hmm. by non-Catholics who, when they see, you know, you know, you don't go down the street and see like, you know, First Catholic Church, you know, or mm-hmm. third, you know, Third Street Catholic <laughs> Church. What are most Catholic churches named after? It's it. It could be a title of Our Lord, but it's usually a title for Our Lady or a saint, you know. And and it could seem on the surface, well, are they worshiping Saint Patrick or Saint Joseph or mm-hmm. you know some other saint? What is this? Uh, you know, where do we get this from? It could be very uh, odd. It can be, you know, perhaps be off-putting even for some who are not Catholic. Mm-hmm. But if we have a proper understanding of the nature of the Church in the first place, then our understanding of the communion of saints falls right into that. And so, when we talk about the nature of the Church, you know, many of our listeners may be familiar with the terms: the Church militant, the Church suffering. Right. The Church triumphant, and that refer those are names for the Church here on earth, the Church in purgatory, those souls that are being purified, and then the saints in heaven, the mm-hmm. Church triumphant. Mm-hmm. And what we need to understand is we're all part of one Church. We're all part of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. That death does not separate us from our union with Christ, and that could be the tendency to think when we talk about the Church, we're only talking about those of us here on earth. Mm-hmm. But the Catholic understanding of the church is that, no, it's not just here, us here on earth. We're only a part of the church. Mm-hmm. The church is much greater because it, it is also the souls in purgatory and the saints in heaven. And in fact, uh, the Vatican II document on the church, Lumen Gentium, there's a whole chapter, it's chapter 7 of Lumen Gentium, that's dedicated to this understanding of the church on earth in purgatory in heaven. Now, they don't mm-hmm. use the terms church militant, church suffering, church triumphant. They act the description for the church here on earth is actually the pilgrim church mm-hmm. because it's an understanding that all of us here on earth, as we go about our days, you know, we're, we're another term that's using there is wayfaring, mm-hmm. that we're going about this life with all of our joys and all of our struggles. Our goal is, in, is heaven. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, we are pilgrims here on this journey. And then it also talks about the church being purified and the church in glory. So it's, just, it's the same theological concept of the church on earth, the church in purgatory, the church in heaven, 
all part of the one body of Christ, you know, although using just perhaps different terminology. Right. right. You said, like, in terms of misunderstanding of saints, remind me of a funny story. Uh, mm-hmm. My first assignment as a priest mm-hmm. uh, was to St. Gertrude Parish. Right. I heard that at one point someone called uh, and said, you know, the reception of saints to the phone, is this is this St. Gertrude Church? And he says, yes. I want to speak to St. Gertrude. <laughs> <laughs> You can talk to St. Gertrude and they talk to her. Go know? pray to her. <laughs> but yeah, there's right. yeah, sometimes common misunderstandings. Right. Yeah, like how do the saints... Well, that's a good question then. How? And of course, so, so we have the three parts of the church, the church militant or the church wayfaring, the church mm-hmm. on pilgrimage, mm-hmm. the church suffering, the church being purified, mm-hmm. but also the church triumphant, the communion of the saints. So so then how do they relate together? Right. Well, and then the other thing too to remember is who we are as human beings. You know, we're made of body and soul. Mm-hmm. You know, and here on earth, that's united. Mm-hmm. The souls in purgatory being purified, the saints in heaven, they don't have bodies for the moment. Right. At the end of time, they'll get their bodies back, but the, the, their souls are in heaven. And so I think right. this is another thing to understand this theologically is you know, the nature of, these mem- of the members of the church. Mm-hmm depending where we're at, whether we're on earth, whether we're in purgatory, whether we're in heaven, mm-hmm. that it's not only those of us on earth who have our body and soul mm-hmm. united, uh, we're mm-hmm. living here on earth, we're members of the church. Obviously, to become members of the church, you need to have a body because you need to be baptized. Right. And so that's one thing to also remember is that as we are initiated into the church through the sacraments, that comes by means of something received bodily. Mm-hmm. but that has an effect for eternity that mm-hmm. has an effect on our soul. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we also look at when we consider the souls in purgatory, the soul, and then the saints in heaven, the nature of those members, it's, it would be their souls, you know. Right. But that's also the thing that these are not dead souls. You know, we believe that the soul right. is, is everlasting, that at once the, the body dies, the soul hopefully will be united with mm-hmm. God in heaven for all eternity, but the soul does not die. And so that's the another important thing to remember, you know, when considering how we're all related, is that physical, bodily death does not break our bonds mm, with the church right. because the sacraments we receive, notably baptism, mm-hmm. had a has an eternal effect. It, it if it seals our soul mm-hmm. that does not go away with bodily death. Right. And so that's I think another important uh, you know, thing to to remember, you know, in this relation is death does not break the bonds of the church. Right. Um, the, you know that St. Paul even talks about this. You know that, even, that in Christ we do not. You know that Christ overcomes death, mm-hmm. and that you know He breaks even the bonds of death. And so this is where I think it's important to remember that the church is alive. The church mm-hmm. is alive here on earth. The church is alive in purgatory, even though they're being purified and suffering, the church is alive in heaven. These these mm-hmm. saints that we pray to, these saints that we uh, that we honor, they're not dead, even though they're they died on earth bodily, you know, perhaps hundreds or even thousands of years ago. Right. I think of the uh, gospel where Christ is transfigured on the mountain. Right. In some of the accounts, he's speaking to Moses and Elijah. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's not it's not. It's not like they got into a time machine and going yeah. back. This is then the present. You know, yes. he, he can speak to them in the present. Another time he said, I am the God of 
you know, Jesus, you know, the, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. The living. Mm-hmm. You know, so that they're alive. Mm-hmm. And then in the letter to the Hebrews, there's a great line that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's also some, you know, and you could think about this, you know, say like on, a, you know, perhaps what we do, you know, as Americans, this could be true of any country. You know, we honor historical figures who, mm-hmm. you know, did something great in our country or, uh, you know, they were important in our founding, you know, and there could be places named for them or, you know, statues built in honor of them or holidays named for them. There is something innate in, you know, us as human beings to honor our ancestors, mm-hmm. you know, or it doesn't even have to be a country. I mean, we could th- think about our, you know, our, our listeners, you know, do you have pictures or mementos of your loved ones uh, that mm-hmm. have passed away right. Right. in your house? Why do you have that there? It's a reminder. True. Because there's yeah. that bond, you know, if, if your parents have died or grandparents, they've left this earth physically, but... Right. You know, the impact that they had on your life or that bond that was formed, that doesn't Mm. go away. And so Mm -hmm. now this is something I think that's relatable for anyone on the human level across different cultures. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this is another accusation that some have said about about Catholic veneration of the saints is that, well, it's just like ancestor worship in other other civilizations. Well, that's not the case, you know, and we'll we'll talk more why, you know, what is the nature of venerating saints – uh, so it's not ancestor worship, but it is, there is this sense in human nature, we remember, we, we honor those who have gone before us, mm-hmm. whether they were great historical figures, whether they were our own family members, or for us as Catholics, it's our brothers and sisters mm-hmm. in Christ. And that's something that, that chapter 7 of Lumen Gentium t- stresses is that there is this this brotherhood that we have in Christ Mm. that remains, regardless of where we are at, where the saints in heaven are there praying for us. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah, so to review, when we we die, you know, our our body uh, returns to dust, for we are dust, unto dust we shall return, until Mm -hmm. the resurrection of all of the dead. Right. But in the meantime... Um, the soul still lives, the soul mm-hmm. survives. And so, uh, and that because of the sacraments we receive, they have an effect not only on our bodies, mm-hmm. but actually primarily on our souls. Right. You know, right. so, so that we believe that when someone dies and, and goes uh, to God, if they've given themselves to God mm-hmm. with, with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love their neighbor as themselves, then they are. Mm-hmm. They are they're with God in heaven. Right. And, and, and they have a way, as we'll talk about in the second half of our, of our program, um, to help us. Right. You're listening to The Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today I'm joined in the studio by Father Paul Marich. And we've been discussing the communion of the saints, who they are, how they relate to the church, and how they can help us, and how we can call upon them as our friends. So, in the second part, we're going to speak about how we connect to the saints, why we connect to the saints, how it is Mm -hmm. that they can help us. And again, there's sometimes a lot of misunderstanding, especially in those who are are non-Catholics, and really humorous things I heard of, like, this is someone coming into the church, Mm -hmm. you know, 
who uh, who had seen uh, a little collection of statues of, you know, the uh, the, the visionaries, say Saint Bernadette, mm-hmm. you know, or the visionaries at Fatima praying right. to Our Lady, and they says, "Wow, you not only pray to statues, you have statues that pray to statues." <laughs> <laughs> But it's like, you know, when we have, you know, people see like a, a little statue of Our Lady, you know, in someone's front porch mm-hmm. or maybe a statue right. of St. Francis in, in the garden of, of mm-hmm. someone's house, they might be a little weirded out by that. Right. But, but yet right. we believe that it's, it, it's only a sign of a connection with a real, but... And it's all incarnational, you know, mm-hmm. because we read in the Old Testament, thou shalt not make a graven image. Mm-hmm. Now, why are we not violating the commandments when we have images of the saints? Well, because the Word became flesh. Right. Jesus took on human nature, something material. He mm-hmm. has sanctified the material world. He, he is God who, taking on a human body, shows now that he can be depicted Right. You know, in, in something material like a statue or an image. And mm-hmm. therefore, his friends, namely his mother and the saints, mm-hmm. they are able to uh, also be depicted. And so it's right. not a, it's, it is not any type of idol worship as it could be misunderstood by right. some. It's actually an extension of our belief in the incarnation. Right. Right. Idol worship is more when someone sees that an idol is someone almost that you have to. You have so sort of control over because right. you know you you have this this thing this object that mm-hmm. has special powers, but when we right. look at the image of a saint, we're reminded of mm-hmm. someone who him or herself right. only is is able to help us in the same way that one of our friends on earth is able right. to help us by praying. Just like we may have a picture of you know grandma and grandpa, mm-hmm. you know, in our house if they've if they've departed, you know, we're not worshiping. Right them or that image, it's a reminder of these people we admire who are very important to us. Right. So how is it that, mm-hmm. um, so wh- why is it that God allows the saints to help us, Father? Paul? Right. So when we look at, you know, God, this, when we look at the theology of St. Thomas Aquinas, he talks about causality, you know, how God mm-hmm. causes things to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, God is the first cause. He's the unmoved mover. And God could, if he wants, you know, just will something. You know, Mm -hmm. it'll happen because he's God. But when we look in God's providential uh, plan and how he has created the universe, how he has redeemed the universe, he will use secondary causes. Mm -hmm. He's not not dependent on this. They're secondary. But because they are there, God is still... Or God allows them then to be used mm-hmm. for carrying out his plan. You know, that the way he, his providence arranges everything, that this particular thing, whether it's a prayer or a word spoken by someone or whatever this mediation may be, right. God is using that as a secondary cause right. to carry out his plan, remembering always he is the first, the primary cause. And so when we think about, you know, the praying of the saints— praying to the saints, the intercession of the saints, this is secondary causes you mm-hmm. know, being, uh, being put into action because they are praying for us. We can pray to them for their intercession. But the same thing can happen, Father Stephen, if I ask you to pray for you know, some intention that I have, whether it's for a family mm-hmm. member or you know, something that I, that's on my heart, I, you know, I, would you pray for me? How many times have right. our listeners, you know, everyone, we ask people to pray for us? Sure. God does not have to listen to our prayers. Mm-hmm. It's not as if God does not 
know what's on our hearts. He's all-knowing. Mm-hmm. But by using that prayer of a, of a person on earth or a saint in heaven, mm-hmm. God is using that as a second, what's called a secondary cause to then carry out his plan. Now, why not just go to you? Mm-hmm. You're, right, you're a priest. You're a pastor of a <laughs> parish. You know, I, I, you know, your intercession should be pretty strong, I would hope. Mm-hmm. But the saints in heaven are in heaven. Right. They are there before the throne of God, looking at God face to face. How much powerful is their prayer? Right, right. And so that's why we pray to the saints, because we see them as trustworthy intercessors. Beginning first and foremost with the greatest saint, who is Our Lady. And right. so what we speak about with the saints... You know, on by the nature of you know what we're doing when we talk about the communion of saints, this also applies to our devotion to Our Lady. And now, of course, mm-hmm. there is something with when we are devoted to Our Lady, it's higher than say anything we would give to to the other saints in heaven, right? Because she is the Mother of God. It was through mm-hmm. her that the Word became flesh, and in fact, she is the first saint to actually have her body, mm-hmm. because in her mm-hmm. assumption. Mary rises bodily, just as all the saints and all of us hope to at the end of time. Mm-hmm. So we see the fulfillment uh, of Christ's promises first in Mary, and mm-hmm. all of us hope to to follow. So that's why, you know, when we think about our devotion to the saints, you know, we may say, oh, we're devoted to Mary and the saints. But remember that it's all part of that communion of saints. Mary right. just, in a way... She stands out above the other ones. You know what we call our the praise and the uh, veneration that we offer to the saints. There's a Greek word for it called dulia, mm-hmm. but for what's given to Mary, it's called hyperdulia. Right. It's it's a special type of honor that's more than just what we give to the saints. And then we turn to the other saints, maybe our patron saints, maybe saints that we have a devotion to, maybe saints that are that have a special patronage over something because of what hap- what they did in their life or something that happened in their life, they've been entrusted with uh, a patronage you know, right. over a certain aspect of, of life here on earth. And we could pray to that saint, asking for his or her intercession. There is a, there is a sense of the virtue of hope involved, because mm-hmm. God may not hear the prayer. Right. Like we said, he does not have to, you know, we do not have to pray to the saints for, you know, God to know what we need. But God uses that, you know, as a secondary cause to show the magnificence of His gifts, to show the diversity of His gifts, and what better way than to see that in the many holy men and women throughout history mm-hmm. who have followed the Lord God? Yeah, and we saw we see that even even in the Gospels themselves, mm-hmm. in a way. I mean, the the importance of the sacrament of baptism. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, you know, go baptize mm-hmm. you know, all nations in the name of the Father and of the Son and mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit. Right. You know, even during his public ministry, he sends out disciples right. you know, to heal the sick, to cast out. Right. And he could have said, just tell them all to come to me and I'll take care right. of this. No, no, he has them do it. You know, right. So that secondary causality. And, right. and in all the sacraments today, you know, it's the instrument, you know, every instrumental sacrament causality. is through another right. person. You know, there's no, there's no self-service sacraments. Right. When a baby comes to the font, we just don't say, like, we don't just, like, look at the baby and be like, okay, they're baptized. There has to be an action. There has to be right. words right. that take place right. in order for, and that's, and that's called an instrumental causality. God is using those words and actions right. uh, in any of the sacraments to then bestow grace. 
Yeah, and it's good to remember that like the, it's not necessary for God to have these secondary causes. No. But he chooses that, and he right. chooses that throughout the scriptures, mm-hmm. especially in the New Testament. You know, right. he, so so the, our, 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 uh, our understanding of the saints and how the saints mm-hmm. connect to us is that this doesn't suddenly stop, mm-hmm. at, you know, at death, right. at, at our death in this life, you right. know, because we continue to live, God continues to allow his saints mm-hmm. to help us in heaven. Right. Um, by, by, through, through interceding for us. And we even, in a way, you see that um, even in the book of Revelation in the yeah. scripture, you know, we, we see an image of, of the martyrs under the altar, right. you know, crying out, you know, when, O oh Lord, mm-hmm. will you bring your... Will you make all things new? When will you settle right. all the evil and, and, and wipe it out? You know, in this so so we we see that and in heaven they're they're worshiping God. Mm-hmm. But that but that's one example of even intercession that's even in the Bible itself. Right. right. And even mentioning the martyrs, like when we look at the history of the veneration of the saints throughout the church, mm-hmm. you know, there's always been this devotion to our lady. The martyrs were the first saints to be venerated, in part because they were the first you know, to show that witness to Christ mm-hmm. by shedding their blood. And so really it was veneration of martyrs that began mm. uh, this practice of devotion to the saints, you know, where the Eucharist would be celebrated over the tombs of the martyrs. Mm-hmm. And then gradually, especially after the church became legalized in the Roman Empire, and then you're starting to find more and more saints who weren't martyred, mm-hmm. you know, they lived a full life, died a natural death, and then they were they were admired for their you know heroic virtue through life and then venerated as a saint you know and mm-hmm. and what we see then in the church's process of canonization the church recognizing that this person led a holy life mm. he or she is in heaven but we even see this in the church's liturgy like if you look at things like the liturgy the hours of the roman missal uh, the different types of saints that are celebrated mm-hmm. you know it's, we have our lady the martyrs then it goes to say like pastors, you know, popes, bishops, mm-hmm. priests who were canonized saints, virgins and religious, so those who were mm-hmm. members of religious orders, and holy men and women, you know, from mm-hmm. uh, married people, mm-hmm. you know, to those who may not have been a priest or a religious but led a holy life and are venerated as saints. Right, and and the saints not only are are simply heroes to be admired. Like mm-hmm. sometimes we look up to people as heroes. Even from mm-hmm. from the, from past or from history, mm-hmm. even in a non-religious sense, um, we sort of admire them from afar, right. you know. But the, but the, there's another purpose of the of the saints, and that's something that especially uh, Saint John Paul II encouraged. He wanted mm-hmm. he wanted to emphasize that all of us are called to holiness. There's yep. a universal call to holiness, yes. and the saints can encourage us. Mm-hmm. And when we see something in common that we have with them, right. well, if this person can make it, you know they. They speak my same language. They're they're from my part of the world. They have my s- mm-hmm. same occupation. You know, they have some of my same hopes and dreams. They even right. have some of my same struggles in my life. Right. But they've made it, and if they can make it, that gives me hope. Right. And we mentioned John Paul II. We're now entering an era in the history of the Church where, you know, we have these saints, these more recent saints like Saint John Paul II or Saint Teresa of Calcutta, where we have. We they were around in our lifetime. Right. You know, we have videos right. of them. We hear mm-hmm. recordings of them talking. You know where there was a, there could be a sense saints that lived centuries ago where they're depicted in artwork or right. you know a statue that they just seem distant because 
well, we don't know how they really looked or how they really sounded. Mm. Look at these newer saints now where yeah. we can, we have video footage or audio, you know, recordings right. of how they sounded, how they walked, how they, with the ministry that they did. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that sense of that living memory is uh, emblazoned on our mind a little more deeply. So. Right. I know one that's popular now, Blessed Carlo Acutis, right. you mm-hmm. know, who even worked with computers and sure. liked video games, you right. know, so a lot of young people can mm-hmm. can identify with that. You right. know, it makes it very real. This is someone right. who's not an, an ancient historical figure. And there is something, you know, this has been a part of the church, you know, with uh, veneration of relics, which is tied to the veneration of saints. And mm-hmm. this could be another thing that might spook some people out, like, mm-hmm. you know, you hear it's a relic. What's a relic? Well, it's usually a part of their bone or maybe their hair or, you know, in some cases maybe even like you know, a vial of their blood. And for non-Catholics, that can be like, whoa, <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you doing? But there's always been this desire for this connection with the saints, you know, and having a relic, you know, that goes back to either the Eucharist being celebrated, say, on the tombs of, of the martyrs, mm-hmm. you know, or in an altar, a relic being put there, usually maybe of the patron of the church. But it's to have that, this physical connection, that this mm-hmm. is part of the saints' earthly remains, that this physical piece whether it's a little bit of bone or hair is going to rise right you know with the rest of their remains you know at the at the, at the resurrection on the last day uh, it gives us who are still on earth who are still living in this body a, mm-hmm. a little a little bit more of a connection you know right. to, to to have this part of their remains with us though we know what really is important why we pay special attention to the to this relic is because the soul of that saint is in heaven praying for us Right, right. Um, in, in ancient times, in the early part of the church, many p- people would make pilgrimages to the tombs of the martyrs mm-hmm. because they wanted to be in the very place where the body of this very holy and courageous person was buried. Right. So one way that relics arose were, you know, especially in days when making a long pilgrimage on foot could be expensive and even dangerous. Right. You know, someone came up with the idea, well, let's bring bodies of the martyrs right. to an altar in yeah. a local church, a right. local cathedral, where people wouldn't have to risk their lives or, sure. or exhaust their their, fi- their, fi- their savings to go on a pilgrimage, they right. can. But but yeah, the relics remind us that of the incarnation. Yeah, that that these this is Christ really took on our flesh, mm-hmm. and in fact, he still has his mm-hmm. human body glorified in heaven. Right. So so these saints, you know, will one day um, be glorified, right. like all of us who who choose. Mm-hmm. to be with to be with Christ forever. Right. Thank you for joining us today for the Dominican Dimensions. My name is Father Stephen Alcott and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today today I've been joined in the studio by Father Paul Marich. Let's end with prayer invoking the intercession of our holy founder Saint Dominic. O light of the, the church, church, teacher of truth, rose of patience, ivory of chastity, freely you have poured forth the waters of wisdom, preacher of grace, unite us with the blessed. Amen. Dominican Dimensions is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Dominican Dimensions and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com. Veni Sancti.